Hey, you're listening to the RFWP Podcast with your host, Lois McNair and Emily Lewis, where you'll find candid conversations, transparent faith, encouragement, the occasional sarcasm, and a whole lot of grace as they share their walk with Jesus. Here's today's episode. Scripture says, O my people, their oppressors are children and women rule over them. And God has given us a woman as vice president and a child as president. End of quote. Welcome to the RFWP, where we are seeking truth and finding God's heart. I'm your co-host, Emily Lewis, and with me is my co-host, Lois McNair. And tonight we are jumping into what some of you may feel like is a hot topic, and you might not agree with us, but in any case, we might just ruffle some feathers. I brought my feathers so we could ruffle them. (laughs) I love it so much. (laughs) I love it when they just, they get ruffled. They drop and ruffle. I may wear one. (laughs) that's perfect so you may be wondering where that quote came from that quote came from an expository preacher that I have listened to for years and was sadly disappointed to hear this statement the quote came from John MacArthur this past week at the G3 conference and his quote took place in a in a panel, in a question and an answer panel. And unfortunately, we don't have the full recording because it hasn't been published yet. So some may say, well, you're taking it out of context. Um, not taking it out of context because this quote with this picture was literally posted by the G3 conference themselves on Facebook, on Twitter. And it says, scripture says, Oh, my people, their oppressors are children and women rule over them. And God has given us a woman as vice president and a child as president, Dr. John MacArthur. And the reason we even got into this topic was I saw this quote and I said, Lois, help me out. Reading Isaiah 3 and the way I've been taught Isaiah 3 is that it is a curse that to have children ruling over you and a curse to have women as your leaders. And I was like, help me untwist this basically. And we did some digging and some research and we're bringing it to you so that we, we can help you untwist this narrative that is being perpetuated through passages like Isaiah 3.12. Right. And and we'll talk more about how this uh, verse has been taken out of context. And we'll get into that a little bit more. But at first, I just want to read um, Isaiah chapter 3. Um, in Isaiah chapter 3, of course, we know that Isaiah is, is prophesying and that God is giving him the words, But here in Isaiah chapter 3, this is basically Isaiah prophesying what God has told him that this is going to be the 
national disintegration of Jerusalem and Judah because of their sin, because they have turned from God once again. But these are God's chosen people, as we know in Scripture. Mm -hmm. But in chapter 3, I'm going to pop down to verse 10. Tell the righteous it will be well with them, for they will enjoy the fruit of their deeds. But woe to the wicked, disaster is upon them. They will be paid back for what their hands have done. Youths oppress my people. Women rule over them. Oh, my people, your guides lead you astray. They turn you from the path. The Lord takes his place in court. He rises to judge the people. Okay. Mm -hmm. Another translation. Tell a righteous that it will go well for them. For they will eat the fruit of their labor. Woe to the wicked. It will go badly for them. For what they have done will be done to them. Youths oppress my people and women rule over them. My people, your leaders mislead you. They continue. They confuse the direction of your paths. And then in the English Standard Version, I'm just going to read verse 12. My people... Infants are their oppressors, and women rule over them. Oh, my people, your guides mislead you, and they have swallowed up the course of your paths. Mm-hmm. So that's just, that is the verse that John MacArthur is talking about here. And I'm not 100% sure. I look forward to when the live stream is published to listen to all of it. Um, but... I'm possibly thinking because the the Roe v. Wade, the Roe v. Wade situation um, on abortion and the G3 conference, they kind of were hitting the news or whatever at the same time. So this may have been in direct response um, to Biden's agenda about things, to Kamala Harris's agenda about things. And I understand that. But we're going to get into um, what that verse, who it was directed towards, what it actually means, and why it cannot be used in the context that it was used in this statement. Right. So first of all, like you said, who was it directed to? Oh, my people. And I think it says, oh, my people. Yeah, my Mm -hmm. people. Yeah. So... At first, it's it's directed toward a specific people group. And we know God's chosen people are Israel. And at a stretch, like a spiritual application, you could say Christians. But in no way is God referring to America. And to apply this to our country is really bad um, exegesis. It's like, first of all, I know all scripture is given for our profit and our benefit um, for us to learn from. But mostly it's to learn how God deals with his people and God's character, not to pull a verse out and be like, yep, this applies to our time in history when it absolutely doesn't. Right. So if you can't use um, Jeremiah 29, 11, if, if we're being told that in context, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord by these same expositors that you can't use that verse. It does it 
it's not it's not mm. applicable to you or um Philippians 4:13 I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength if if that you know that's not applicable to you then you can't take Isaiah chapter 3 and verse 12 and apply it to our current situation in our country right exactly you can't have both and then to the next got to be one or the other right and to the next point uh that you made how can we take this verse and obviously there's many different ways we can look at a verse historically um, metaphorically literally and when we look at it literally this the way that this verse was used falls apart and you made this point we can't take a verse part of it literally and then flip and be like oh part of it's metaphorical so in the reference to you've been saying kamala and i've always said kamala in my head and 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 you and you could very we be but I can't talk tonight. You could, I could very, very well be wrong too. You could very well be correct. It's it's probably what did I say? I think it's Kamala. Kamala. Yes. Okay. Well, Miss Harris, I apologize if we're pronouncing your name incorrectly. But yes. Right. So here's the deal. So, um, some of the commentaries that we looked through, some of the commentaries that we that we read, and um, I think you have one of those to kind of um, go over with us. But some say that it was metaphorical. Some say that it was literal. But most Bible scholars say that um, here the word child or youth or infants is not specifically talking about a child, a youth, an infant. That is a metaphor for unskilled, unprepared, um, not wise leaders. So if that is how John MacArthur feels about Biden, metaphorically, I can understand where he would get that. But then given his past comments regarding women and regarding women's roles and telling Beth Moore to go home and and multiple statements that have been made you can't turn around you cannot you cannot call Joe Biden a child metaphorically as as an unskilled leader poor leader and then turn around and say literally the country is being cursed because, or we're in judgment because we have a female vice president. So you can't, and others may disagree with me, but the way that I am interpreting what he said is that one, he's not literally calling Biden a child. Biden's in his seventies. He's not calling him. He's in his seventies, right? I don't remember. Mm -hmm. don't quote me on that but you know he's not literally calling him a child he's but he's saying he's a child and in and if he's using this verse oh my people you know children and women will rule over you but then he turns around and he talks about Kamala Harris literally that a woman should not be ruling over the people 
Mm-hmm. You can't have and both. It's you've either got to take that one verse, yes. me, you know, as an example, metaphorically, you know, or or the verse isn't metaphorical, but using the term child and women. Exactly. So and I'd like for you to one of the points. Yeah. Show that or, or read that mm-hmm, commentary that we found. I'm going to read this one. It's a little bit of a a longer one, but it That's hits okay. all of the points. Yeah. So this is we the Benson commentary. And honestly, I don't know the bent or the theological background of all of these commentaries. I'm just reading it for what it says. Sure. So Isaiah 3.12, as for my people in this and the following verses, says Dr. Dodd, the prophet describes the incapacity and weakness, the ignorance and corruption, the oppression and cruelty of the priests and rulers of the people, such as we learn from history, they were before the Babylonish, Babylonish captivity. Children are their oppressors, persons younger in years of little experience and who have not due consideration, but following the impulse of their passions without regard to anything else, have the power in their hands, which they use at their pleasure of exacting tribute of the people. And women rule over them, weak and effeminate rulers, or perhaps he speaks of the wives and concubines of their kings and great men, who by their arts, gaining an ascendancy over their husbands, induce them to act as they desired, though frequently to the people's prejudice and in a manner contrary to all the laws. And thus it was in the reign of Jehoram, king of Judah, whose wife Athaliah, a cruel and weak woman, occasioned great disorders in the state. See Second Chronicles chapter 21 and 22. And thus, undoubtedly, it frequently happened after the time Isaiah uttered this prophecy. I want to point out that this was a specific woman. There were specific examples of women being um, oppressors. And it wasn't like all women. There were right. specific examples that we see in Israel's history of this literally coming to pass. Right. If that's the way... You read the passage and then it right. says and that they wife lead and me. Jezebel and Jezebel. One of the commentaries says, yeah, um, they did not provide good precedents, but chronologically we have to re, re be reminded that the time of the judges where you had Deborah and Hulda, am I saying that right? Um, mm-hmm. Well, were wise and and God had put them in in place um, and then we can talk about the sovereignty of God if God puts leaders in place we may not like them or we may like them but in God's sovereignty they're in this place and uh, John MacArthur saying that these leaders we currently have in place are there because um, we're like we're being judged as a country, like the Israelites were being judged. Mm-hmm. Right. If I understand is, his statement correctly. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that's reading into it a little bit with a lot of history of his, the way he speaks of women, and also of leaders. Yes. Yes. Very true. Very true. So if we're going to call Joe um, Biden a child, if he's going to call Joe Biden a child, I think some people that kind of kicked back on this on Twitter was like, 
and yet you were a major supporter of our former president and then basically made the statement because of policy you only a true believer would vote for the former president and then this past may he did an entire leadership message series teaching using our former president as an example and his narcissism as what not to do in leadership. So I think Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that's just like, you can't have it both ways. I, so anyway, Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to switch to, I think we got the point of that commentary. I'm going to switch to the Barnes notes (laughs) on the Bible. As for my people, children are their oppressors. This refers doubtless to their civil rulers. They who ought to have been their protectors oppress them by grievous taxes and burdens. But whether this means that their rulers, the rulers of the people were literally minors or that they were so in disposition and character has been a question. The original word is the singular number, something I cannot pronounce, and means a child or an infant. It may, however, be taken collectively as a noun of multitude or as denoting more than one, to whom reference is made here cannot easily be determined, but possibly Ahaz, who began to reign when he was 20 years old, 2 Kings 16.2. Or it may mean that the character of the princes and rulers was that of inexperienced children unqualified for government. Are there oppressors literally are there oppressors, literally are there exactors or their taxers, the collectors of the revenue, and women rule over them? This is not to be taken literally, but it means either that the rulers were under the influence of the harem or the females of the mm. court, or that they were effeminate and dis- destitute of vigor and manliness in council. The Septuagint and the Ch- Chaldee render this verse substantially alike. They ex- thy exactors strip my people as they who gather the grapes strip the vineyard. Mm-hmm. They which lead thee, Hebrew, they who bless thee or call thee blessed. This refers doubtless to the public teachers and the false prophets who blessed or flattered the people and who promised them safety in their sins, causing thee to err, lead thee, lead you astray or lead you into sin and danger and destroy which is Hebrew for swallow up. So that's a whole verse. You might, you can back that up and slow it down and listen to it again if you want. Or And we'll link these resources in the show notes so you can go sure. over them yourself yeah. too. But yeah, this one brings out some interesting points, which is kind of like the third layer. So there's, are we going to take this literally? Are we going to take this figuratively? And then some versions interpret that word differently. So rather than saying women rule over you, they say um, your oppressors rule over you. And there's a whole lot, there's a whole lot of people smarter than me who explained it from like Hebrew, but I'm going to read you the, let me see, the new English translation of this verse, because I think it's interesting that some translators even um, 
translated this differently. So to remind you what we've been reading in Isaiah 3.12, youths oppress my people and women rule over them. My people, your leaders mislead you. They confuse the direction of your paths. And this is the NET. Oppressors treat my people cruelly. Creditors rule over them. Notice the switch from creditors or women to creditors. My people's leaders mislead them. They give you confusing directions. So just some alternate perspective on this, on this verse. Yeah. Yeah. And he even says, like, if somebody, like somebody who owns a coat is going to end up ruling over you instead of those that have been considered in honor. And I want to get back to the point that you said earlier, and I can't remember if you said it in our in our recording time or before we started recording, but you mentioned we need to be reminded who's oppressing these people. It is not, it is, it's not an outside force. It's not another country. It's not another king. It's literally people who have promised to follow God, who are supposed to be mm-hmm. following God who've stated that they will follow God and they're not doing it. And Isaiah is telling them, because you continue to do this, then this is going to happen. Right. Um, You said it. And so, again, I I look back at, um, is is it, was John MacArthur's statement, is he saying that literally this passage is talking about today's political environment? And he has been an expository preacher for decades. And just, you know, in a, whether you agree with him with everything or not, he has he has been in the past he's been a strong expository preacher verse by verse in context everything and so several of the statements that have been made that have been brought to light over the last few years seem to be out of character for what he would normally do and say so to take Isaiah chapter 3 verse 12 and use it in a context of today. And 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 <laughs> the fact that um, this was one of the quotes, like, portrayed on social media, like, wow, we're really proud of this one. Mm-hmm. When literally some of the other men that spoke at the conference and the things that they were quoted on, some of those were just solid things. Right. And it was a stinging comment is how they said it. Well, this is such a stinging, like, so, I don't know. They were proud of it. Yeah, and it, the, like you said, it, yeah, and it stinging wasn't, comments nobody have else. replaced exegesis. So we'd rather have something yeah. that's catchy and pointed. It was, it was, this. it was like, it wasn't, and just so our listeners know, like, you can look this up. It wasn't someone else or a critic saying that his comments were stinging it was whoever their social media person is 
I don't know if it was bragging, but basically, yeah, yeah. buddy, here we go. This is this is what John said today, and they're the ones who said stinging comments. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So this is from 1996. It says, we must never engage in defamation and denigration of non-Christians. When Christians become political, sinners become the enemy instead of the mission field. Hmm. John MacArthur said this in his commentary on Titus in 1996. And that's why we reference... Maybe I shouldn't speed past that. (laughs) Whoa. So that's why we say he, he is... A Bible believer. He is good at ex- – is that the word, expotting? <laughs> I don't think <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't think no. So. He is good at As- <laughs> teaching the Bible the way – teaching the Bible for what it says. Expository, yes. Yeah. Uh, and he – and, this and is part not, of that is solo scriptura. Solo scriptura. You know, uh, it is part of the Reformation – um, and part of the reformed theology. So it saddens me that statements like that are made and continued to be made over the last few years. Um, because it begins to discredit the truth that has been spoken for so many years. And I know Mm -hmm. that there's going to be some people upset with us because they're huge John MacArthur's fans. And you got to understand that it's, this is not lump sum. We are not those, you know, one thing or the other cancel culture. If somebody says one thing, I'm never listening to him again. No, but, but when things are not, when things are taken out of context and as far as we know, um, because I didn't listen to the whole Q&A, but as far as we know, this has been, this verse was taken out of context. Whatever it was an answer to, the fact, it goes back to the fact that they themselves posted the quote with no context. So therefore, right. we are allowed to talk about it in this context. But I want to take us back and remind us that in this passage, this is Isaiah telling the people, because you have not stayed with God, the leadership, because you've had the daughters of Zion doing this, because you've, you are oppressing your own people and not following God's commands, this is coming, but the righteous, it'll be okay. It'll you'll do well. But those that don't repent, this is this'll happen. So he's talking to God's people. He's talking to believers. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's not talking to America. And you either use the passage for in in its context. Or you use it the way that seemingly John MacArthur has used this passage. You can't have it both ways. 
No, you can't. And I'd like to read another quote from the conference. It's by David Miller, which honestly, I don't know who this is, but he spoke at the G3 conference also. And this quote, Mm -hmm. uh, another quote that they posted to their social media says this, you ought to make a sharp distinction between the exposition of scripture. I guess it's not expotting, it's exposition, right? (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) Distinction between the exposition of scripture and the imposition of some dude's mind. So that's what we have to discern. Wait, was he responding to John MacArthur's statement? I have no idea, but I'm going to guess not. But everybody on social media is like, uh, hello, these two aren't the same. Which is it? Right. So maybe... Somebody else said, next time they should invite Beth Moore because at least she teaches the Bible. And John MacArthur, this is what you said to me. John MacArthur should go home and make me a sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) And Beth Moore can teach the Bible. And some of you just clicked off just now. But for those of you hanging with us, thank you for being here. (laughs) Some of you just unsubscribed. As for forever. Um, You actually wanted me to call Beth Moore and see if she would come on this episode and discuss this. I'm thinking she probably wouldn't. I'm I'm thinking that she's had uh, her fill of responses and needing to defend herself with some of the John MacArthur statements. So probably, but it can't hurt to ask. It's true. We'll ask her. We'll ask her for another time. Um, yep, 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 yep. Yeah. I, I really would like to hear your comments in on our YouTube channel. For those of you that are that will be seeing this on our YouTube channel, comment below. Um, if you get a if you get a copy of the auditory of this and you hear it a little bit more in context or if you were there live we want to hear this or if you were there live and we know that that there were probably um people that were there live or watching the live stream so Mm -hmm. um again our position in what we do and what we are passionate about is untwisting the narrative that has been either spoken for years over men and women in church or narratives that are beginning to be spoken that are not sticking to scripture. Yep. And so that's what we're going to do. Absolutely. And before we go, can we leave everybody on a micro joy happy note? Oh, <laughs> this isn't my micro joy. My husband used micro Wait. joy in a sentence today. Oh, he did. He did. He's yeah. like, it's kind of like a micro joy. And I was like, oh, that's so thoughtful. Wait Lois. a minute. Does this, does this ruffled, look like the daughters of feathers. Zion? I was like, that we're not being obedient to God. Here, I'll pull my feathers out of my 
<laughs> it's definitely not modest apparel with your broidered hair and your feathers. That's true. If, for anybody who's missing the video, you've got to go to YouTube. <laughs> yes, because we're that funny. <laughs> <laughs> and you need to see At the At least feathers. we crack each other up. We crack each yes, other up. So, um, your micro joy was the fact that your husband used micro joy in a sentence. Sure. Right? <laughs> oh, oh, that I wasn't, that your wasn't micro my micro joy, but yeah. Come on, tell us what your micro joy okay. is. Okay. So, my micro joy is today I got to take one of my girls to a doctor appointment and spend some, I don't know, not a lot of quality time but a little bit of extra time with her. So that was sweet and healthy and strong and everything checks out um, that we were looking at. So, yeah, it was fun. That's great. That's good. Because having four girls, I'm sure that each one of them wants some individual time. So, you know, even a doctor's appointment a little ways away got to be a good time with her. Mm -hmm. Yep. It sure was. Awesome. Uh, my micro joy, honestly, the last couple of days has been these phenomenal sunsets where I live. Mm. I know you love clouds and the clouds have just been like 15,000 mm -hmm. different mm. types of shapes. And then the sunsets have just coming down and just gorgeous there's been true silver linings on a few of mm. them so oh fun my and uh bobby and i i told him i said the only thing i want to do this evening this was a couple nights ago i said let's just drive where there's an open field so we can just watch the sunset and um nice and then we did what we used to do when we were kids and figured out what different clouds looked like so that was my micro joy. <laughs> That's fun. I love it so much. So, if you haven't liked or subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do. And if you're just listening to audio, would you please, um, whatever you're listening to, if it's Apple um, or Spotify or any of the other places where you listen to your podcast, would you leave us a review? We'd love to hear from you and um, leave us a review. We will be doing more of these response videos in the future. So make sure you right. look for those a little bit shorter episode, maybe a different format to help you untwist narratives um, in your life and straighten our paths with the Bible and with Christ, um, seeking yep. truth and finding God's heart. Yeah. Until next time, seek truth, find God's heart and go untwist those narratives. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode. As always, you can reach out to Lois and Emily at hello at sisterseeker.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean the world to us if you would consider supporting the RFWP. You can go to patreon.com slash sisterseeker. 
Another way to show your support is by leaving us a review. This helps get this cause and this message to more women like you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being here, friend.